Well, every blessing to you all, and welcome back to my walking, talking pulpit. Well, I'm sure most of you know by now that Fidel Castro has passed away. He's died. He was 90 years of age, and like most hypocrites, he had two faces. He had a public face and a private face. And I guess it's fair to say that he's quite possibly the final uh, communist despot to leave the earth. The only other regime which comes anywhere near to being as wicked and uh, hypocritical as his would be North Korea. And uh, we hope and pray that one day North Korea will be freed from the clutches of godless communism. But Castro, like all men, had two faces. A private face and a public face. A private life and a public life. And to the outside world, he was very much revered. He was adored by those on the left. In fact, just this morning, I was watching uh, RT News, Russian television, very much putting a spin on things. But uh, every so often they have some interesting guests on their uh, news programs. And one individual, I think he was a Frenchman, said that Mandela uh, credited Castro when it came to the overthrow of the all-full apartheid regime, which, yes, it was, and uh, the blacks were treated very badly. But uh, what you won't read in your history books, if you have any interest in history at all, were how the ANC, the African uh, National Congress, would not only kill people, but they would also go after black people, those that refused to be a part of their system, those that stood against their means, and they would put uh, rubber tires around the necks of their black victims. Not just white people that got uh, killed and maimed, but black people. And that went on for many years. In fact, I believe it was Amnesty International refused to endorse Mandela. They refused to uh, come out in favour of the ANC because they would use violent means to force their will on the people. So when I hear statements along the lines of Mandela crediting Castro, that uh, does interest me because in Castro's Cuba, there's no democracy. There's no freedom of the press. You can't stand on the streets of Havana and preach the gospel. You can't speak out against the many injustices. Even up until quite recently in South Africa, even during Mandela's uh, dying uh, days, he still had a grip on his country. And if you were to speak out or be too negative towards Mandela's legacy, you too would feel the full force of the state on you. But when I look back over the years and I continue to read about men such as Castro or Arafat or Idi Amin passing away, I think myself, they're all very much the same. They're all cut from the same cloth. There was a story I read about many years ago concerning Joseph Stalin, quite possibly the worst dictator of them all. And uh, Castro, like Saddam, thought very highly of Joseph Stalin. And uh, one interesting story concerned a room in the Kremlin and uh, somebody had the idea in the Kremlin to leave a light on in a room 
somewhere in the Kremlin so when people would walk past it uh, especially at night time they would look up and see this light burning and the belief was that good old Joseph Stalin was working on behalf of Mother Russia and uh, many Soviets would walk past and uh, say to themselves there you are you see it's two o'clock in the morning and Uncle Joe is working faithfully for Mother Russia they really believed it and when he died many Russians were weeping in the streets like we've seen in Cuba and I'll come back to that in a moment and they were broken at the thought that Joseph Stalin had passed away because they had been told that he was their beloved leader like those in North Korea and how he had stood up against the West the big Satan as the Muslims referred to America as being and they thought to themselves now that Uncle Joe has passed away who's gonna look after us and soon after his death stuff started to come out about the gulags and the concentration camps and the murder of millions and of course you know that for those that heard about such events they closed their eyes to it they said it was propaganda I had an old friend years ago who was very much a supporter of IRA slash Sinn Féin and I had to talk to this old uh, friend long before I was saved about some of the atrocities that I had heard about, read about and I knew to be so and this old friend of mine would go crazy start jumping up and down and uh, raising his voice literally and uh, banging his fist on the table literally and telling me that it was all propaganda that Sinn Féin IRA were a good group of boys incidentally Catholic like Castro and I'll come back to that shortly and I thought to myself what do you do with that type of a person none so blind that cannot see and I used to go back and forth with this individual like I say an old friend of the family trying to get him to open his eyes to see the truth about this wicked group of uh, Catholic communists and how they would kill people and maim people and do it all in the name of politics and religion and incidentally not one of those leaders from Sinn Féin IRA were ever excommunicated by the Catholic Church but he was convinced that what I was telling him was propaganda he wouldn't believe it there was an old chap in our town some years ago that would be there every Saturday afternoon with a placard up and uh, he was very much against wars which is fair enough I guess he was probably a pacifist if the truth be known and I used to go over and talk to him and it turned out he was a great admirer of Stalin and Castro and on one occasion we were talking to him Patrick and I about some of the horrors of Russia and the gulags all in the name of atheist communism and I said to this uh, old chap that I just read a book by a very well-known British author a Cambridge professor I seem to recall and how his book was in the library and I'd like to show him this book if he would be prepared to come with me and take a look at it and of course he refused I'm too busy he said by the way it's all propaganda anyway who cares and I went back and forth with this old gentleman trying to open his eyes to the wickedness that he was condoning of and in truth supporting and one day this chap walked over to our little group and it turned out that he'd been in one of Stalin's gulags back in the 1940s early 50s Stalin died I think 1953 54 55 thereabouts and this old gentleman up in his 80s 
came over to us and he said uh, how he'd been a prisoner in uh, Stalin's gulag and it was an awful place and I said come on over please and tell our friend here who is a gulag denier your story come and share your accounts with him and he wouldn't come over he almost got the shakes very bizarre incidentally this chap that uh, was a great fan of Stalin and uh, Castro was an American who had lived in the UK for many years I've also come to realize that a lot of these people that speak up in defense of these wicked regimes have never lived under such regimes and therefore it's somewhat rich when you hear them put a defense up or condone of some of these awful uh, atrocities that have gone on for decades unreported by the press and of course the press as we know is very biased the press as we know is very much on the left the press is very much a part of the problem not the solution but let's go back to Fidel Castro a very interesting character to assess he was a wannabe lawyer who was raised in a Jesuit school and to his surprise he was able to liberate quote-unquote Cuba around the late 1950s and it's true that Cuba was run by the Mafia decadence was everywhere corruption was endemic and so he wanted to liberate it from all, all of that which he did and I guess the idea had been that after a period of time he would allow the people to go to the polls to have free elections of course nothing could be further from the truth in fact I remember this old gentleman that I've been talking about holding this placard up in our town even telling us why have elections in Cuba they love the man it'd be a waste of money they put him back in again such foolishness if you were to speak to those in Syria or Iraq or Afghanistan or any Islamic country and ask them are they really happy with the way their country is being run they would say no we want our freedom of course the problem with that is once you kick out these secular Islamists you get the hard core crowd coming uh, Al-Qaeda ISIS and others and they will really impose Sharia law on their subjects but this old gentleman this American living in the UK honestly believed that the Cubans would go and vote for Fidel in their numbers and the same would have been true in Russia had Stalin gone to the country in fact even in uh, the so-called uh, Palestinian territories you've got just two parties running the whole show you've got uh, the Hezbollah crowd of course you've got Hamas and some other groups and they have pretty much carved up the Palestinian territories they have a president a guy called Abbas who incidentally is a holocaust denier and to some extent he's a puppet leader the real power behind the throne or behind the scenes would be Hamas, Hezbollah and I think uh, Fatah although maybe slightly wrong when it comes to that uh, particular uh, pronunciation I'm not overly sure the same is true in Iran the mullahs run Iran the president of Iran and his predecessor a guy called uh, Ananimajab was very much a token leader if you will a public face for the nation to uh, try and connect with the powers very much behind the scenes so when I look back over the years and I think about some of the conversations I've had with people it's just so pitiful because it comes down to this 
Most people, if not all people, believe in someone or something. You might say to me, well, James, I don't believe in any God. You might say to me, I don't believe in any politician. Well, maybe you believe in a sports team, a football team, perhaps, or maybe you're into some kind of sport, or maybe you are into soap operas, or maybe you are into socializing at your local pub, like Karl Marx would do for many years. And as a result, would see many of his children starve to death because he wouldn't work. He was a typical uh, socialist slash communist sponging off uh, Engels, another very uh, dubious character. But I do believe that man is built to believe in something, someone. And of course we know as Bible believing Christians that that person is Almighty God. If you take Almighty God out of the equation, what are you going to put in his place? Maybe politics, maybe pornography, maybe alcohol, maybe sport, maybe television in general, maybe computer games. You see where I'm going with this? Man has to believe in someone or something. And yet when I look back at Cuba and I assess some of their statements that they put out and made over the years how there is no God and to be a believer in a higher being is foolish and to worship a higher being is ridiculous and yet those hypocrites those reprobates allow their own people to bow down and worship them look at Saddam Hussein he'd walk into a room and his subjects would jump to their feet in absolute terror and he put out his hand and they would kiss his hand like Catholics do to the Pope go down sometimes on their knees or one knee and he loved that he was more than happy to take that worship that respect like Stalin took or Castro took and therefore it's pitiful and one day these people are going to be judged and be very severely judged but let's go back to Cuba if we may and I want to try and keep this message to just under 30 minutes in order for me to put this out on EDT Radio. And incidentally, just a quick request if I may, we have a new uh, broadcast slot. We now go out at 1 a.m. UK time, 1 a.m. UK time on 9400 kilohertz. That's 9400 kilohertz at 1 a.m. UK time, seven days a week. So if you have access to a shortwave radio or if you would be prepared to go out and get hold of a shortwave radio receiver they're pretty cheap to buy from Amazon or eBay may I request that you tune in at 1am UK time and give us a radio reception report I'd be very grateful if you would do that for our ministry bless you all in advance but as far as Castro was concerned he very much lived like a king. His private demeanor uh, was very different to his public demeanor. In fact, he would tell people that he lived on just, I think, $20 a month, some ridiculous amount of money, and they believed it. His own crowd believed it. And yet, just this morning, I was reading in one newspaper how he had uh, luxury yachts, fathered nine children, but at least four different women had access to millions of dollars. In fact, there was a movie made back in the late 1980s called Air America, starring 
Mel Gibson, that good old Catholic boy, very much a part of the Tridentine society. And in that movie, somewhat of a black comedy, the storyline was very interesting and it concerned the drug runs. It uh, concerned the CIA giving uh, kickbacks to the Cuban government to run drugs in and out of Havana, in and out of Cuba in general. That's why such is uh, somewhat laughable when you hear all this talk about Castro surviving an alleged number of assassination attempts, over 600 I believe, when in reality, if the truth be known, he was very much in bed with America. It is probably true to say that in the beginning of his uh, dictatorial regime, the Americans wanted to remove him, he was a threat to them, and uh, he would allow Khrushchev to park off the uh, coast of uh, Miami with the nuclear warheads on board his ships. In fact, I seem to recall from memory that some of those nuclear warheads were actually put on Cuban soil, so much so that Kennedy was prepared to go to war with Cuba and Russia over that whole incident. And of course, you know that Khrushchev backed down, Castro backed down, and that, I think, 11 days of crisis, almost on the brink of World War III, came to an end. But I think after that incident, the Americans decided to work hand in hand with Castro. What do they say? If you can't beat them, join them. And I think that the Americans over the last 50 years or so have worked very closely with uh, Castro's regime. And it's been financially beneficial, shall we say, to both governments. But I feel sorry for the people that live in Cuba. Those who believe what they are told. Those who have been either brainwashed, indoctrinated, or are just too terrified to question what they've been told. This goes back to that incident in Russia. Poor old Uncle Joe, it's three o'clock in the morning. He's still working at his desk. News flash, Stalin dead. And there's one uh, British newspaper uh, called it, good. I think it was the Daily Mirror, perhaps. And they went out onto the streets of uh, Russia crying like I've seen in Cuba on the news over the last few nights, crying and weeping, broken that their great father has left them and yet their father left them many years ago. You see, it comes down to this, whether you are on the left of politics or the right, man wants power, man wants to enjoy himself. And that's why it's pointless to take sides, to fall out with people over such characters. And I mentioned this during my last message on tribalism. Because these people, whether Castro or Saddam, or Idi Amin or Yasser Arafat, wouldn't waste five minutes with you. They wouldn't waste five minutes with you. And yet some people, well-intended, would fall out with friends and family over such wicked tyrants. When Arafat died, there was a great outpouring of grief. The left came out in support of his great uh, presence on the world stage. He was very much held up as this great beacon to the free world, and yet he was a terrorist. On top of that, upon his death, or just before his death, he was able to get $5 billion out of his country. And I believe his Catholic wife, a French lady, lives very comfortably in France to this present. And yet, 
many Palestinians are very poor. Many Palestinians have nothing, and yet their leaders live like kings. It was reported at the time, incidentally, that he died of HIV. Some have even suggested he was poisoned by his own people. We will never know. That was certainly suggested concerning uh, Stalin's demise. People thought that Molotov or Khrushchev had poisoned him. We'll never know, of course. But these men all thought they were God. These men all had huge ego issues. They all thought they were something special. They would allow people to bow down and worship them and would very much enjoy living like a king, living like royalty. Well, I will say this, that as a former Catholic, I am somewhat disgusted with the Catholic Church, very much in bed with these people. Castro would kill Catholics in Cuba. Castro would kill Jehovah's Witnesses in Cuba. Castro would kill anyone and everyone that stood against him. There are, I think, 500 suspicious deaths linked to Fidel Castro's regime. Just everyday people. And yet, for the most, the left in Britain and probably America and Canada and the rest of the Western world remain silent. Absolutely silent, completely incapable of speaking out and calling for an inquiry, much like they would refuse to do concerning the IRA slash Sinn Féin. But ask yourself this, why would the Catholic Church refuse to excommunicate Fidel Castro and yet they had no problem, they had no qualms when it came to putting an anathema or two on those of us which are ex-Catholic, now born again. And they had no problem whatsoever when it came to killing people, digging up the bones of those that they killed, burning the bones of those that they killed. I'm thinking of uh, John Wycliffe, for example, who, although died peaceably in his sleep, would later be dug up and have his bones burnt by the Catholic Church. That's a terrible thing to do. And ask yourself this, what other church, so-called, would behave in such a cavalier manner? I saw a photograph a couple of days ago of the current Pope meeting Castro, and I thought to myself, there you are, you see, two Catholic communists, the best of friends, able to enjoy time together. And I just believe this, that towards the end of Castro's life, he probably went back to his beloved church, that whore, that harlot, on the Seven Hills. No doubt received the last rites, so-called. Made peace with his church and thought that he'd beaten a rap, as they say. Well, I've got news for you. He didn't beat the rap. Saddam Hussein did not beat the rap. Yasser Arafat, Nelson Mandela, didn't beat the rap. I don't care who you are or where you are. So the Word of God says how it is appointed a man wants to die. But after this a judgment, and that judgment is going to be severe. So severe. What Castro was able to get away with, living like a king, living in decadence, fathering all these children, making millions, living like a king, while his people starved, struggled, and probably perished as a result of his brutal regime, will one day come back to haunt him. And he'll have to give an account of himself to Almighty God. So please, take heed to what I've said. I know that for a lot of people, they are political and they look to folks such as Castro 
as a great hero. He was no hero. If you want to follow a hero, you want to follow someone who stood for something. If you want to support someone who really had integrity, who lived and practiced what he preached, follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Follow that great carpenter from Galilee. Follow that great prophet, the eternal high priest, the Son of God, the Messiah, the eternal Holy One. Follow him. He's worthy of your worship. He's worthy of your time. He's worthy of you. And if you don't know him, just get on your knees, turn to him, call in his name, receive him, trust him, and he will reveal himself to you just like that in a split second. Never mind the left, never mind the right. At the end of the day, they're all very much the same. They're all very much the same. They all pamper themselves. They all like the good life. They all like the power. And they like women as well. And I'll say this and close on this remark that if the truth be known, most men, if not all men, would have done what Castro did. They would have enjoyed the women, the money, the power, the clout. Only one man walked on this earth who would have shunned such wickedness. And of course, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Apart from him, I think it's true to say that everyone, every man, and I mean every man, saved or unsaved, is so wicked, is so depraved, that if it was offered to him on a plate, he would take it. And Paul would tell you that over in uh, Romans 7, a wretched man that I am, that what I don't want to do, I do, and what I want to do, I don't do. And he would lament over his old nature, clashing with his new nature. So don't kid me, and don't kid yourself. All this talk about when you get saved, you're perfect, and you don't sin any longer. And if you still sin after you are saved, that somehow you're not saved, don't kid yourself. That's a lie, that's incorrect. But uh, if you do fall into that way of life, if you go back to living it again or resurrecting the old man, you need to quit it, you need to confess it and forsake it. But I won't go down that uh, route now. I'm out of time and I want to keep this message to 30 minutes long. So thank you as always for listening to this message. Please keep ETC Radio and ETC Ministry in your prayers. And if you can, pick us up at 1 a.m. UK time, seven days a week on 9400 kilohertz. Please do so and uh, drop us a line to let us know what the signal sounds like. And uh, many thanks in advance for that. And every blessing to you and Maranatha. I should just uh, clarify and uh, further explain the comments concerning the rubber tires that were put around the necks of those that dared question the ANC. Black people, white people, Asian people, it made no difference to them. Those tires were then set on fire. An awful way to kill someone that refused to go along with the ANC's brutal regime. And again, that's why Amnesty International, a very powerful left-wing secular pressure group, refused to endorse Mandela's regime. And one final thought, and I will close, concerning Yasser Arafat's continual call to jihad. He was very good at going on television in the Palestinian territories and calling on those to 
rise up and do their jihad kill those that he thought were enemies of his country and yet he had two sons at least two sons from his French wife who didn't take up the call to jihad and that goes back to the hypocrisy of the whole thing he was quite happy for his subjects his followers to send their children and die for his religion his God his beliefs and yet when it came to his own children he wasn't prepared whatsoever to sacrifice them and that goes back to the hypocrisy of the whole thing do as I say not as I do but so you know what I'm saying when I make that remark such hypocrisy and I've got no time for such people whatsoever my Lord my God my King my Savior died for me he led by example he lived up to his words he didn't just say something and not mean it he meant what he said and said what he meant so I just wanted to add that final bit on the ANC and uh, Arafat to further underscore the hypocrisy of the whole thing.